SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. I am Brad Brown. It's good to have you with us. And uh, a busy show lined up for you tonight. Obviously, lots of cricket to talk about. The Proteas clinching an emphatic victory at the Wanderers today over Australia uh, to win the series 3-1. The first time a South African side has beaten Australia in a series on South African soil since readmission. So uh, big celebrations, I'm sure, in Johannesburg tonight. Lately, Germanis will join us to uh, wrap up today's test match. And we'll also chat to former Protea opening batsman Stephen Cook uh, about that and we'll also be talking about refereeing and the state of refereeing and what Safi is doing to improve uh, the standard of refereeing in South Africa that's all coming up tonight and other news making headlines New Zealand held on to uh, or held their nerve rather to secure a dramatic draw against England in their second test in Christchurch earlier today and in doing so they claimed a 1-0 series victory in soccer news uh, a short while ago the high court has dismissed the urgent application by Ajax Cape Town that was to set aside a PSL arbitration ruling to ban striker Tendai Ndoru from playing for the club. The decision effectively rules out uh, the striker from playing for the relegation threat at Ajax for the remainder of the season. Meanwhile, two matches to look forward to in the PSL tonight. Amazulu hosts the Urban Warriors at the Kings Wellatini Stadium. It's a crucial match for both teams. Those three points will be vital. The other match tonight sees in for Maritzburg United travel to Johannesburg to take on Bidvest Witz. Two matches in the UEFA Champions League tonight as well. First leg quarterfinal clashes between Bayern Munich and Sevilla while Juventus host Real Madrid. In rugby, it was announced today that Nick Groom is coming back to South Africa. He's joining the Emirates Lions after leaving his club, the Northampton Saints, with immediate effect. And in boxing news... It was also announced today that Manny Pacquiao will challenge Argentina's WBA welterweight champion Lucas Mateis in Kuala Lumpur uh, for that title, that fight scheduled for July. Coming up next here on SAFM, we'll chat some cricket with Natalie Germanis. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And in the end, uh, it was an emphatic victory for the Proteas in the fourth and final test against Australia at the Bidvest Wanderers today. And all thanks to a devastating uh, spell from Vernon Philander. First up this morning, Natalie Germanis joins us now. Natalie, 3-1 in the series. Uh, in the end, uh, walkover for, for the Proteas in this one. And I think we pretty much all expected with the drama that went on before the test. Uh, but all in all, uh, it was a, a great test match, just really consistent across the board from all the South Africans. Yeah, I think South Africa will be really happy with how it all went out because as much as if you look on, on, on the scoreboard, you'll say, well, they won by 492 runs. It's a massive victory, and it is, and you have to give them credit for that, but they worked really hard for it. And I think in many ways, um, you could probably say they were, they were close to perfect because it was on a wicket that wasn't uh, tough for batting, as in it wasn't completely impossible, but it wasn't easy. There was something in it for the bowlers, but the bowlers still had to work, and South Africa did all of that. And from a serious point of view, uh, South Africa will be very happy with the comeback because to come back from being 1-0 down and having their own thrashing in Durban to now come back and win it 3-1, that is a fabulous performance from the Proteus. And I think that they will feel that, that this has just come together so perfectly. It's almost like you talk about athletes peaking at the right times. I think everything sort of peaked at the right times from South Africa's point of view and hence why they were able to actually win this 3-1. 
Absolutely. Natalie, you mentioned from a series perspective, it, it's an historic victory. We, we've never beaten Australia on South African soil since readmission. It's been a long time coming. We've been very successful in Australia, particularly the last few tours, uh, but haven't been uh, good enough to beat them here. And, and, and it says a lot about this group of players, the way they, they came back, as you said, from, from being one-nil down to, to, to level the series and then just really put uh, their foot on the throttle the last two test matches. Yeah, absolutely. It does say a lot about this this team. It says that, one, obviously the youngsters coming through are in a good space, but also it says that the, the scars of the past are hopefully being, get, they've gotten over those scars, and it's so easy to have brought those into the tour, and especially after losing in Durban. South Africa have won now three tours in a row in Australia, and that's a phenomenal effort to be able to do that in Australia, and they've done them really well. But over the last few tours here in South Africa, they've had some heavy defeats at the Wanderers in particular, and now they've gone on to exactly own heavy defeats over Australia, which is, is quite something to be able to do that. And it's got a lot to do with the leadership. Subsequently, has been brilliant through the series. He's brought them through really well. They've, they've, they've literally spoken with their bat and with the ball and not so much on the field. Um, they're trying to stay away from the controversy as much as they can. Uh, there was obviously the issue with Cajita Rabada and how that all played out. But they've tried to stay away from that as much as they possibly can and, and switch on mentally on the field. And I think they've managed to do that on the whole. There was a few issues where they maybe got sucked into a few things when it came to the David Warner issues and, and, the, and the words with Quinton de Kark and Kahito Rabada, etc. But I think on the whole, they've managed to be able to just make sure that the cricket comes first and, and push for victory, and they've done that very well. Natalie, and as much as there was lots of drama off the pitch, I mean, you mentioned the the David Warner issue in uh, that those ugly scenes in the stairwell, and then the the ball tampering with uh, the three players being sent home. If you have to look at this Test series on paper, and if you take all those issues out of it, and yes, they probably were distractions more for Australia than they were for South Africa. Fuff Duplessis said it in his post match interview today that we took 80 wickets in a four-match test series and we had five different batsmen score hundreds and there were a couple others in the 90s as well. And if you compare that to what the Aussies did, not one of their batsmen scored 100. Uh, and yes, mm. there were a couple of, of, of good performances with the ball, but but overall, uh, we were in a different class in this series to the Australians. Yeah, I would feel that, uh, you know, you know, you'll never know if you take out the ball tampering with South Africa one. You'll never really know. But I, if, you, if you look at the performance in, in Port Elizabeth to start, there, there was no controversy around that. Yes, you had the stairwell incident, but there was no players banned at the time. There was no uh, ball tampering incident. And for them to come back the way they did in Port Elizabeth and play like they did in tough circumstances, A.B. de Villiers was absolutely brilliant with his 100. And he certainly led that team and they were able to play around him. Their performances were uh, phenomenal. Kakisha Rabada was absolutely brilliant in that test. Lungi Ngiri coming in for, for Morning Moko also took up the mantle beautifully. So I think on paper, if you take, if you could manage in some alternate universe to take out all of what happened on and off the field with the talking, the ball tampering, etc., you would feel that South Africa could still possibly have won it. It might not have been 3-1 and we might not have seen 492 rand victory at the Wonders possibly. But I still feel that South Africa were the best team out of the two. Now, you mentioned that innings of A.B. de Villiers in, in Port Elizabeth where we were under the pump uh, and, and we're running the risk of the Aussies running through us again. And that, for me, was the, the big turning point in the series. But
But uh, a short while ago, you mentioned the youngsters, uh, and particularly Kachisa Rabada and, and Aidan Markram. If you look at the stats of the series, leading wicket-taker, leading batsman, uh, Mornay Morkel bowing out after the series, uh, a great send-off for him at the Wanderers. But South African cricket seems to be in a, in a good space with some really good youngsters coming through. And you also mentioned Lungi Ngidi, who, who, who's, when he has played this series, has looked fantastic. Uh, I think cricket South Africa will be pretty chuffed. We, we seem to be in good shape going forward. I think they should be pretty happy with it. I think from a selection point of view, things have gone well. Timber Bavuma has found himself in form as well, which is really good from South Africa's point of view in terms of that middle order, because South Africa knows Abel Villiers is only going to carry on for so long. Hashimama is only going to carry on for so long, and the mantle has to be passed over at some stage. And Aidan Markham and Kahisa Rabada, being World Cup winners, I think they come into international cricket with that confidence. It's not an arrogance, it's just a confidence that they can win, and they can win against the best, and they can win in tough circumstances. And that can only do them good. They've had an opportunity to play some franchise cricket. Um, Aidan Markham played more than Kahisa Rabada, because Rabada pretty much made his international debut uh, very soon after that World Cup victory. So he's been within the, within the setup for a little while now. But Markham, in his first season, has been phenomenal, and so much so that he's got praise from Virat Kohli, which is probably one of the best batters in the world at the moment and maybe one of the best batters that India has ever produced. And he's actually uh, put out a lot of praise for Aidan Markham on, on Twitter and social media. So I think South Africa, they will feel very good about going into the future, about their next few series where they play Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka and then they come back home. It's just maybe the one-day format that South Africa's got to have a little look at and see if they can find a way to repair that team after, of course, they had that heavy defeat to India in the ODI series. Absolutely. And then, Natalie, just to wrap things up, it's easy to get carried away, and we've, we've beaten the Aussies 3-1, and, and we're all excited. But uh, you mentioned uh, a couple of tough series uh, away. Sri Lanka are, uh, is, is never a, a, an easy prospect on the subcontinent. A bit of a break for the Proteus now. What do they need to improve on? Uh, it's, I mean, with so many positives, it's probably difficult to, to pick out uh, a few negatives. But do you think there are some areas that we should be concerned about? Um, I think Hashimamla, his, his form, not that he didn't have some good innings this season, he did. And he, he showed some, some really good skills at the Wanderers, in particular against India, and he showed some glimpses against the Australians. But I think from a consistency perspective, they'll be maybe a little bit concerned because he's your number three and you want him to be as consistent as possible. But also, I think going forward, we'd like to see Dean Algar and Markham putting up the big partnerships up front. They were able to do that against Bangladesh and against Zimbabwe, but doing it against their tougher opposition is obviously going to be very important, especially away from home. They, they put up some good partnerships, and both of them had good form, but not very often we saw a massive opening partnership to, to really set things alike for South Africa up the order. Um, and it's, it's not a criticism, it's just small things that probably need to change. And then Maybe just uh, looking from a bowling perspective, uh, they would obviously want to make sure that the fitness of all the, all the bowlers are ready for next season. It's been such a long season, 10 test matches is a lot. And unfortunately, they've just struggled with a few injuries towards the end. There's nothing you can do about that, but they'll hope that they're able to manage the players as best as they possibly can in what is another busy season coming up and of course they've all got the IPL to go to and the World Cup is also next year so it's, it's a lot to manage um, and I think going forward it's not going to be easy for the team management and for the players themselves but if they do it right well they can get the players to peak at the right time.
Absolutely. Natalie Germanis, as always, thank you for your input here on SAFM. Uh, I know our listeners uh, have enjoyed your uh, analysis throughout the series, uh, as well as on all the other SABC radio and television platforms as well. Uh, thank you very much, uh, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy a, a bit of time off before it all starts up once again. Thanks very much. Yeah, going to enjoy some time off for sure. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, as you heard from Natalie Germanis, uh, wrapping up the entire series uh, just from a scorecard and result perspective. And I thought I'd get the perspective of someone who's been in the thick of things uh, in a series against Australia. Uh, he's played against the Aussies uh, down under. Former pro tier Stephen Cook joins us now. Stephen, welcome on to SAFM Sports Chat. Thanks for, for your time tonight. As someone who's tasted success against the Aussies, uh, you, you must be delighted for, for the current crop of players. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful series victory on home soil. Yeah, good evening. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic day. I mean, the first time since uh, readmission that we're able to uh, get a Test Series win over the Australians uh, on home soil. And uh, yeah, myself included and, uh, and all of the lads really, really happy tonight as are, I suppose, most of the country. Without a doubt. I mean, there's always always uh, a great feeling getting one over, over the arch rivals, over the Aussies. It's been a... <sighs> It's been a tough test series, and not just from a cricket perspective. Obviously, lots of niggle off off the pitch, and and that's probably sadly what's dominated this test series is is the goings on and uh, the suspensions. Your your take on it? Do you think it's detracted from what otherwise has been a, a great great series with some wonderful cricket? Yeah, first things first. I think it's been an absolutely fantastic series. I think especially the way we played since that first uh, test loss in Durban. Uh, we've been magnificent. I mean, batters, bowlers, all round team performance. Everyone played their part. Um, it's been a fantastic series. That Australian bowling lineup is uh, is really really good, and uh, only in uh, I think years to come will we realise just how how good an attack they really were. So you know, to to get it over them, yes, at times probably overshadowed by by outside things, by you know, going on disciplinary issues, and obviously this whole uh, ball tempering scandal that's uh, sort of rocked the game in the last uh, you know, week ten days. Um, you know, but uh, take nothing away from the excellent cricket that's been on show, and uh, and hopefully that's what it will be remembered for. And uh, and certainly, you know, in uh, in terms of players, certainly for uh, more and more, who played his last game today. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's touch on a couple of the players, and and one name I want to bring up to you, obviously as an opening bat in your career as well. You know how hard it is, uh, and and how much you you have to work for your runs. Uh, Aiden Markram, who's a, a youngster, he hasn't been on the scene long. He's had a he's had a phenomenal summer, and uh, with a player like that, uh, the future of South African cricket looks really bright. Yeah, absolutely. Aiden's a, a fantastic batsman, and uh, he'll continue to grow and get better. I mean, I've seen his his growth throughout the summer and uh, he only gets better and better. So, you know, if managed correctly and, and all of that uh, injuries aside, uh, he could be a, a fixture at the top of the order for a long time to come. Uh, I remember just oh, eight months ago opening the batting with him uh, in the South Africa A game against India A. And I remember telling Shukri Conrad, the coach, after this, I said, uh, that guy at the end, he's the, he's the real deal. And uh, I think he's, uh, he's beginning to show the world uh, that he is the real deal. Yeah, I've had some dealings uh, with him as well, Stephen, and I'm sure you'd agree he's, he's, that head on his shoulders is uh, it's way beyond his years. He's got a maturity for, for a young man that uh, I, I haven't seen in a, in a young cricketer for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, one of his biggest assets. You know, it's, uh, it's one thing to be able to bat nicely or bowl nicely, but uh, sort of that mental aspect of the game, especially at that top level, that's, that's where the game's really played. And uh, I mean, if you look back at uh, that innings he played in Durban, although it was in a losing course, there was obviously a lot going on in the field and uh, all of that. And he sort of stood up there. You never heard him uh, moaning and complaining. He just got on with his business and uh, sort of almost urged him to, to play better. And, 
yeah, he's he's got a very level head, and uh, if given the time to develop, he could be he could be a real good one for us. Stephen, how does Australia bounce back from this? They they've literally been dragged through the bush backwards uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, mentally, they they've taken an absolute beating. It's obviously been building up for a long, long time. You've been on the receiving end of uh, of some vicious verbal attacks uh, from them, I'm sure, as have uh, all the players. But this has almost come to a head and it's exploded. Do, do you think this, as much as it's a horrible event, is going to be good for, for Australian cricket in the long run? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure the aftermath of this will be pretty severe. Um, I think they're going to probably conduct a review into, into all aspects of their game and I think uh, the term that they've been floating around from the Aussie camp is their, their culture. Um, you know, so, so obviously a lot of things will be looked at, the, the good and the bad. And, um, I mean, take that anyway, these guys are still excellent players. But, uh, I mean, as you say, the margins are really small. And if, uh, if, you know, if you mentally aren't quite up to it, you know, the, the difference in the game can be quite huge. I think it'll be more of an impact on the world game. Um, we talk about the impact on the Australians, but I think it's going to cause uh, a lot of things to, to go through the ICC and all of the member boards. Um, I'm sure Cricket South Africa included into the way the game gets played, the codes of conduct, uh, the disciplinary issues, how those get handled, and uh, to make sure that the game is, is as attractive to the public and to young kids as it should be. Um, you know, These sort of incidents shouldn't be marring the game. They shouldn't be going on in the game. Um, but unfortunately, they are, and uh, and if it's detracting from the cricket, then obviously we're not uh, we're not doing our jobs as, as cricket stakeholders. Do you think some of the blame has to lie at the foot of the ICC for for letting matters slide to where it got to? Uh, I mean, this this didn't happen overnight. It's been building up for years, uh, and, and something's got to give, and it did, unfortunately, on that uh, afternoon in Cape Town. Yeah, I don't think you can go point to any 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 one thing or any one person about it. Um, it's just. It, it, it's probably prudent to, in, 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 in any industry to, from time to time, go and review things, review procedures. And, you know, there'll be some things I'm sure they'll keep and there's other things that they'll change. So um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be one to go and point fingers at, at the ICC or anyone. Um, that's, uh, I don't think, the right thing to do. But if, um, you know, if it, uh, if it leads to a betterment of the game, and uh, then, then, then that's fantastic. Because, uh, I mean, the game is bigger than any one player. I think that's what we've seen over the last little while, is that the, the game and the show will go on. As a former pro tier watching the series, did it make you uh, sort of consider going, you know what, maybe, maybe a comeback's in, 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 on the cards. I'd, I'd love to be out there. Or is it, is it nice to, to not be in the thick of it and be able to, to sort of enjoy it as a spectator without the pressure? I uh, know. I'd much rather be out there than watching it on my couch. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. Um, that's, uh, that's, what, that's what we live for as, uh, as professional sportsmen, to be out there in the thick of things. And I was very blessed to have got 11 test matches uh, in my time, and I certainly haven't given up hope of, of not adding to that. I mean, I know it's going to be incredibly difficult. I mean, Markham and Dean Algar are doing a fantastic job at the top of the order, and I'd never wish anything bad upon any of them. Um, but, you know, if, if things conspired to go my way and uh, I got picked again, I'd, uh, I'd love, love to play for my country again. But uh, for now, you know, just... Uh, Carry on with the Lions. Keep doing as well as we can. Try, try win some trophies and uh, um, and go that way. I've never been one to sort of try and push my own personal agendas, but uh, yeah, I'd uh, obviously love to play for South Africa again. But know that those chances are, are are probably getting slimmer as time goes on, and as other guys do well. Yep. Never say never, and never say no. Those are two things I think to to, to live by. Stephen, <laughs> thank you very much for your time this evening. Much appreciated, uh, and I'm glad you enjoyed the the test series as much as the rest of us did. Thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Well. SAFM Sports Wrap.
This is South Africa's news and information leader. And over the last season or two, there have been uh, lots of complaints uh, across various or from various parties, uh, particularly in the coaching boxes of various PSL teams. I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, we all know a few of the coaches have had lots to say about the referees. And I can tell you there's a very interesting initiative that's taking place as we speak uh, with regards to refereeing and developing referees in South Africa. It's all part of the South African Brewery Skills Camp for match officials that's currently underway at the University of Pretoria's High Performance Centre in Hatfield in Pretoria and we join now by a man who's very involved and has been for many years uh, in refereeing in South Africa Sylvester Ndaba. Sylvester welcome on to uh, SAFM Sports Ramp tonight thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me thank you very much. So, Mr. tell me a little bit about this camp that's happening uh, at uh, at the High Performance Centre in Pretoria. I think it's great news. Uh, I, I'm not saying that the standard of officiating is poor, but uh, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in. Obviously, development is important, and, and, and getting better and improving your skills is vital, and, and it's good to see that uh, it's happening in football as well. I can't agree more with you, Brad. Um, I must say this is a wonderful initiative because it's a holistic development program that is... Um, going, uh, these uh, participants are going through. And here, for instance, this particular week, we are concentrating on the match officials. And also, I must applaud SAFA in this case for, um, and in partnership with the South African Gurus, uh, in, in addressing the gender equity. For the first time in the years that we've been running these programs, uh, that we have more participants from the female sector than the male. For instance, we have 30 uh, participants in total, 16 of which are females, and uh, we have 14 male counterparts. And this is a wonderful, wonderful program. And the wonderful thing about it that I love, it's because it encompasses administrators, referees, which, are, which is match officials, and on top of that, the coaching or coaches, and evidently all this three will impact positively on the standard of play as far as the players are concerned. And let me assure you, Brett, if the standard of refereeing is poor in any area, that standard of play is also negatively affected. Sylvester, there's, uh, there's 30 participants in all that, that are involved in this camp. Tell me a little bit about, you talk about it being holistic. What, what are some of the things that uh, you, you're working through with these, uh, with these participants? These participants in this case... Uh, I'll specifically uh, talk to match officials. Here, they're going through the laws of the game, and, and there are plenty of them because you know there have been changes. The law book has been rewritten over the past two seasons by the International Football Association Board. So if you get them at this age, at this, I mean, this young, you're making sure that the interpretation going forward is going to be good. But not only that, it's going to impact at the different LFAs. And when we want a pool of referees for the senior teams, we know we have laid a wonderful uh, uh, um, uh, foundation for them to prosper. And we have referees that have prospered from this particular program. And from there, they are doing a FIFA fitness test. From the FIFA fitness test, they will be graded uh, after writing examinations because we've got different levels in South Africa as well as FIFA. And we have uh, uh, to make sure that um, by the end of the course, which is this week, they're going to be writing examinations and be graded accordingly. Sylvester, one of the things that, that I've sort of picked up uh, and, and speaking to, to various referees, both past and present, is the, the, the difference in 
professionality between the players and the clubs and the officiators. So uh, if you look at the amount of money that's been thrown at football clubs and at football players, it's not the same for, for referees. And, and many of them, particularly here in South Africa, still need to work. Uh, they're not full-time professional referees. Do you see that as a problem, particularly in South African football? And is that an issue that needs to be addressed? Um, it's not a, a South African phenomenon, it's a worldwide phenomenon. Only England have uh, match officials and they're about to abandon them, uh, to abandon that approach of professionalizing referees. However, I am for full-time professional referees because they will be given full-time attention, diligence and dedication to their, to their, to, to their profession. And nothing less can come of it but the best of the best. So I concur with you, it would be best for us to go full-time professional, but we have to be realistic. Uh, are we at that level in the country financially to be able to go through with it? Meetings not at this stage, because we still need other gadgets, your GLT, uh, which is goal-line technology that will assist us big time in making the correct decisions or affirming those correct decisions. But at the end of the day, we as referees, we also want to make good decisions. So any technology that will assist us, including the VAR, video assistance referees, and, and together with its panel, because it has a panel uh, that goes with it, um, once again, it's money investment, so that is required. So we are quite realistic. So until we get there, we have to do the best we can. And this is the holistic approach that we are doing. And thanks to the South African breweries, together with the uh, South African Football Association. Sylvester, it's great doing this thing right now. Is is this a long-term plan as an ongoing education process as opposed to throwing 30 participants into this one and uh, everything's warm and fuzzy and, and things are great and a year from now we, we, we've almost, I don't want to say abandoned the 30 that were in here now and there's another 30. In. The, the 30 that are in there now, is there a long-term plan for them to develop them through their career uh, as, as, as match officials? Absolutely, Brad. I'm glad you asked that question because we have Akona also as an ambassador of the FAB League uh, and Skills Camp. And Akona Makalima is one of our top female referees. And she's the only female referee in the country that is actually uh, accredited to be able to conduct matches of the male PSL side in this country. And that is Excellent for me. And she comes through this program also. In 2012, she came through the program. Once again, I'm addressing the issue of sustainability. Is this program sustainable? Yes. Uh, Long-term planning? Yes. Long-term vision? Yes. Is it linked to the 2022 vision of SAFA? Yes. So I'm ticking all the boxes for you to make sure that you understand and the listeners understand that this is not a fly-by-night. And once again, it is not only these 30 participants. We also have another 40 that uh, we are busy with, with the YDP. We call that the Youth Development Program. Those are almost ready to get into the NFD, the MDC, and the, uh, the PSL. Once again, it's you walking the talk, addressing the gender equity, uh, sustainable development, and making sure that we have tangible results at the end of the day. Akona is just but one example. We, I'm talking a female. Now, there are male counterparts that are in the Premier League right now as we speak, as well as in the FIFA uh, panels of assistant referees and referees, and they came through this particular program. So it has tangible results, and I'm excited to be associated with this particular program. But once again, it is a vision of SAFA together with the South African breweries, 
coming together to come up with a, a sustainable and impactful uh, program for the development of mental officials. Hopefully, we'll address the concerns of the coaches and those people that were complaining about the standard of refereeing. Sylvester, and then just finally, one of the things that has reared its ugly head over the last few years is, is obviously corruption in the sport. And uh, we mentioned that uh, sort of gap between earnings that the players are getting and, and the referees are getting, and that obviously opens doors to, uh, to, to lots of, of, of dodgy sort of business dealings. Is that something that concerns yourself and Safan? And if it is, what are you doing to, to alleviate it and, and stop those sorts of things happening? It concerns us big time, as if you were in the lecture room today with the, with, the, with the match officials. That was one of the topics that we really addressed fully and, you know, given a lot of uh, seriousness that it deserves, both on their field, practical uh, uh, applications of the law, as well as in the theoretical applications in the classroom. Now, to me, uh, we said to them, absolutely, if you want to commit suicide, you better walk out now and commit it somewhere else. Because the investment, it's not for you. It's not about the league in South Africa or, or, or our LFAs. It's about you doing it for the world. We have Zakele Suela, one of our top match officials, being the only one that is going to the Russia 2018 World Cup in, in less than two months' time. And, and to us, it's a major achievement because these are the guys that are going through all these courses and also serving as role models to the upcoming match officials. England did not make, uh, make it to this World Cup. And this is a strong International Football Association member, but they don't even have an assistant referee, let alone a referee in the World Cup that is forthcoming. Now, I'm saying, yes, it's one, we can still do more, but you have to do the work. You know, you have to do the work now. Um, uh, so that we can produce more for 2022 in Qatar. Absolutely. Well, Sylvester and Dava, thank you so much for joining us here on SAFM Sports Chat this evening uh, and filling us in exactly what's happening at the High Performance Centre in Pretoria. I think it's uh, great news uh, and long may it continue and long, long may the, the level of officiating, particularly here in South Africa, keep improving. Thanks for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for having us and thanks for supporting these type of programs. They are not your wonderful programs because they're developmental programs. But we thank the time, and on behalf of SAFA and the South African Breweries, we appreciate that, uh, the, the support you're giving us. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that is it for this evening's show. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and thank you to our guests as well. We're back again tomorrow at 6.30. I'll be back on PM Live tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. with some more sport for you. We'll have more sport tomorrow morning uh, on AM Live as well. Until then, from myself, Brad Brown, and my team in Johannesburg uh, this evening, thank you so much for joining us. Zalman Loyola keeping things going for me in the studio in uh, Joburg. Coming up on the other side of your 7 o'clock news, it is the talk shop from myself, Brad Brown. You have yourself a great evening. It is 7 o'clock.